So, at 11 p.m. last night, I received a phone call from Pastor Josh informing me that Pastor Josh and Pastor Troy are both stuck in Memphis, Tennessee. So they attended the G3 Summit last week. Um, can't wait to get back and hear um, what they've brought out of that. Um, but the storms last night landed them in Memphis, and they're not leaving until 10.30 this morning. So for those of you that know me, I go to bed at 9 p.m. every night, whether it's a Tuesday or a Saturday. So Glenna woke me up last night, and of course I said, sure, I can fill the pulpit. Um, woke up this morning and... Uh, Went to find the dozens of sermons that I've <laughs> wrote over the years in my journal books and couldn't find a one. So <laughs> the, the only thing I could find was the one that, from the last time I preached on James. So we're not going to hyper-spiritualize any of that. that. That's not what any of that means. It's just funny to me that, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes we have to fly by the seat of our pants and just, just go where God's leading us, and I think we're going to jump right into 1 Peter this morning. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and get that started for Josh to, to step in and take it from there. So let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we come before you, Lord, and we praise your holy name. We thank you, God, for the gathering of the saints, Lord. Father, we praise you for the blood of Christ. Father, I come before you this morning, Lord, and I ask that all glory go to you, Lord. Lord, that you open minds, Lord, that you soften hearts, Lord, to the truth of your word, because only your word can pierce a heart, Lord. There's nothing I can do, Lord. It's all on you, and it's your spirit and your word. So, Father, I ask, Lord, that, that you prepare our hearts and our minds for what you want to take out, what you want us to take out of this, Lord, that... And Lord, we just praise you for Christ. We praise you for that blood. We praise you for the fact that we can gather this morning in your name and worship you. Lead us, guide us, and direct us in all we do. And let all we do bring glory to your name. Amen. You can go ahead and remain standing while we read 1 Peter. Starting in chapter 1, verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 4. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You may be seated. So this morning we're going to touch on the first four verses. Verse 1 and 2 is the greeting. We're going to talk about who Peter was writing to. And then we're going to get into just the first two verses of living hope, verse 3 and verse 4, which is an actual a doxology. So we're going to talk about what a doxology is for a minute. 
So who wrote 1 Peter? That would be Peter, Cephas, the rock. And he's writing to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion. Elect exiles. So if we couldn't turn back to James where we just left, where we just finished up, it says, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Peter says, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion. So Peter is talking about those Christians, those who are elect, who God chose. We talked about that um, a few Wednesdays ago, what predestination means, and that oftentimes we get our, can't wrap our heads around the idea that God has elected those to whom he calls. And these elect exiles are in the dispersion of what we know today as modern-day Turkey. That's where those cities are. That would be modern-day Turkey. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father. So let's take a little time right there really quick to talk about the foreknowledge. So what does foreknowledge mean to you? Foreknowledge to me means that God already knew. It didn't just happen. God already knew. Okay? So He already knew that the elect were going to suffer and be exiled. That they were going to go through trials and tribulations. In the sanctification of the Spirit... For obedience to Jesus Christ. The sanctification of the Spirit. So we're seeing some things that are a little bit different when we're moving into 1 Peter than from James. So in James, it's talking more about what we can do as Christians, what we should be doing as Christians. And as we move into 1 Peter, it's talking about those Christians that are being persecuted and they're losing hope. So I think it's fitting that Josh, that Pastor Josh is moving from James on into 1 Peter because this is going to set us up for what I believe to be the times we're living in today. I mean, if I can just say it like it is, we're living in times today where Christians are being persecuted. We're starting to see it more and more in this country. It's something that we've never seen in the past but we're starting to see it now. So I see 1 Peter as hope. It's that living hope. It shows us that while we are being persecuted, there's still something greater in front of us. In the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood. That's a very important statement. Go ahead and turn with me this morning to Exodus 24, starting in verse 1. While you're turning there, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 again to you. 
Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who were elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. For obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood. So what is that talking about? So if we go back to Exodus 24 and we begin reading in verse 1, let's read about the covenant. Then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel and worship from afar. Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near and the people shall not come up with him. Moses came and told the people, all the words of the Lord and all the rules, and all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings to oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he threw it against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. So that's the covenant. So the sprinkling for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood. All right. So that sprinkling of the blood in the New Testament is not like in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament... Moses actually sprinkled them with the blood, right? Because they had to have the sacrifice. The oxen was the sacrifice for the sin. But Christ became our, our sacrifice, the final atonement, the final sacrifice. So through the sprinkling of Christ's blood, we've been set free. Okay? So Peter's greeting is leading up to what a living hope is. That's what it's doing. It's leading up to what he's going to talk about in 1 Peter. The sprinkling with his blood may grace and peace be multiplied to you. So we're going to turn to a few scriptures here in a minute. There's something I want to bring up this morning, and actually with talking with one of our church members about this. You know, we've talked on the Wednesday nights about the different questions everybody has about the Reformation, what happened in the Reformation. Um, I taught a class on church history one night and how we went from the early church to what we are today. Um, we've talked many times about certain things um, that the Protestant... Re this, is, this is all my opinion. I want to I make sure everybody understands that. This is my opinion. This is not scripturally based. This is Matt speaking from his heart, um, which, remember, is always wicked and sinful. So <laughs> if I'm not backing it with, uh, 
with scriptural <laughs> with scripture than <laughs> so it's a doxology. Does anybody in here know what a doxology is? I'm going to challenge you today to go home and search the word doxology and then search doxology in the Bible. So what you're going to find out is is that doxology is a liturgical formula of praise to God. It's a liturgical formula of praise to God. It's a prayer. The Bible is filled full of prayers. And beginning in 1 Peter, we actually have one. So let's read it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So doxologies were oftentimes meant to be sung. So a lot of times you'll, you'll hear these, you'll hear songs on Christian radio and they contain verses of Scripture in them. And that's what a lot of those verses of Scripture are. Those are doxologies. They're actually prayers. They're hymns. Half of the Psalms, half of the Psalter was songs. That's what they're, they're meant to be sung to God in praise. And that's what verse 3 and 4 were meant to be. It was a doxology that Peter is praising God. Blessed be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. The living hope is our hope of salvation. That salvation is part of our inheritance. Okay? So oftentimes when we hear inheritance, the first thing people think of with our finite minds is money. How many of you have heard about the crown? You're going to get a crown in heaven. That's not the inheritance. The inheritance has nothing to do with money. I mean, come on now. Think about it. What are you going to do in heaven with money? Just think about it logically, exactly. Think about it logically. What are you going to do in heaven with money? Nothing. It's not about money. It's about being in heaven. Sorry. Gets me a little uh, (laughs) worked up because uh, my mind starts to go to the things in this world that just turn and twist Scripture church. They turn and they twist scripture to getting us to to hear something that's more palatable. I can't say that word this morning, palatable. Something that makes us feel a little better about ourselves. But that's not what scripture was meant to do. Scripture was meant to make us see the sin in our life. That's what scripture does. It reveals the sin in our life. It reveals our need for a father, for a savior. It shows the dirtiness inside of us that we would need to work on. So living hope. When we go on into verse 4, 
resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for you. Imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. Now we're going to go on the, the rant again. <laughs> so there's something, um, it's been going on for several years now. It really bothers me. It really does. And that is this phrase that I constantly hear people say, live your best life. All right, so this morning, in the short notice I had to study and prepare for this today, <laughs> the thing I kept coming back to was that very phrase in my mind. Live your best life. So I did a search this morning of one of the local bookstores, one of the local Christian bookstores. There are 34 books available to teach you how to live your best life. The point I'm trying to make is, is your best life is not lived on this earth. Caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You can't live your best life. Why would you carry the weight of that on your shoulders? It's saved for heaven. So that's what's, what Peter's trying to tell the exiles, the elect. He's trying to tell them that your best life is not right now. Even though you're going to be persecuted. Even though you are possibly going to die for the cross. The best is yet to come. It is not right now. So as we move on into 1 Peter, as, as Pastor Josh starts into 1 Peter and, and we finish out this year finishing out the Bible, that's the one thing I want you to keep in mind with 1 Peter. Is you are not living your best life. Okay? Now some of you might disagree with me. I get disagreed with a lot and that's fine. You might say that living your best life is just a way for you to, to say that I'm doing everything I can on this earth to have as much fun and to, and to be what I've aspired and, and you're missing the point. Your best life is the living hope. That's your best life. So that really bothers me, okay? And I'm not going to go on this much more, <laughs> but it really does because I hear it a lot. And it's really crept in. It's crept into to society that it's for another day. That we have, uh, there's some laughing going on because some of the, those who know me very well know that I'm getting ready to go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> And I'm trying to prevent myself from doing that this morning <laughs> with a little too much emotion. 
So anyway, so to recap 1 Peter. Peter, apostle of Jesus Christ, he's writing to the elect exiles in modern-day Turkey. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus, for sprinkling with His blood, my grace and peace be multiplied to you. So Peter is, is writing to the exiles to let them know that no matter what their suffering is, what their trials are, there is a living hope in Jesus. And that's the main theme that, that's going to be throughout the book of 1 Peter. told you you were going to have a 25-minute message, and that's what you're going to get. All right, so at this time, I'm going to go ahead and invite our, our worship team to come up. While they're preparing to come up, you might have noticed, to those of you who, uh, to those of you, this is your first time here, Pastor Josh is way better than me. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a teacher of the Word. Um, I'm also required to be a preacher of the Word, but I'm a teacher of the Word. Um, so it's not my normal thing to be up front uh, preaching a sermon. Typically, I'm within one-on-one -on -one or a class teaching you the Scriptures. Um, but I want you this morning... To process that, because if you're new, if you're new here, this is your first time here, you you see that we do things a little different. Um, we do this because we want to come to the Father with a right heart, and the only way to come to the Father with a right heart is to hear His Word. It's not to hear me; it's to hear His Word. Only His Word can convict your heart. So you'll notice when we do music at the end. That's on purpose, because as we begin to worship the Lord in, in, in song, we want your heart in that right place. So I ask you this morning to focus on that living hope, to focus on that, that everlasting imperishable inheritance that is ours to come. And worship a father for giving that to us, for loving us so much that He gave that to us through His Son, Jesus. Go ahead.